You're listening to a podcast from Riverview Church in Bowness, recorded during one of our Sunday gatherings. For more information about Riverview Church, for service times or contact details, go to riverviewchurch.uk or find us on Facebook at Riverview Bowness. Well, it's nice to be here this morning. I've got my posh bottle of water with me just in case I need it. I've got a bit of a cold throat, and if my words aren't coming out quite right, it's because I've got a strep cell stuck in my mouth, (laughs) hoping to help me. But I want your undivided attention right at the beginning. If you've got your mobile phone in your hand, get rid of it into your pocket or into your bag. Get rid of it straight away, because I'm going to give you a bit of deep theology in one minute, and at the end of it, I'm going to ask a question. And you won't be able to answer the question if you haven't listened attentively. So undivided attention. And here's the deep theology that you've got to listen to. I wonder who paints the sky so blue? Who paints the roses red? Who wakes the sun up every morning? Who puts the stars to bed? who perfumes all the roses so early in the spring, who tells each little robin just what melodies to sing. I wonder who helps a mother to know what her child's trying to say, how little children learn to walk and someday walk away. I wonder who makes the rainbow follow storm and thunder. I wish that I really knew who it was, but I can only wonder. You'll remember that all your days. (laughs) But the deeply theological question this morning is that in all that, there was a little three-letter word. And I wonder if you can shout out what that word was. You got it. What was that? Who? Who? That's the answer to that song that if you can remember in the 1950s or 60s, a man called Dickie Valentine sang that song. Oh, there are a couple of smiles there. Yeah, that can recognize Dickie Valentine. But on top of that, I want to give you two little scenarios, and if you can guess who the who is here, then shout out the name straight away. Number one is 17th century, and he goes down to London, sets up his stall to mend pots and pans, but he hears women a few yards away talking about the Bible and about Jesus, and how this Jesus has given them peace in their heart, and how they know that their sins are forgiven. And he moves a bit closer to try and hear what they're saying. Any idea who that was? Yes, John Bunyan. But at that time, John Bunyan had the foulest mouth in Bedford. He took cursing and swearings to a new level, and his blasphemy made people cringe. But a few years later, he met Jesus. Here's the second person. 
18th century, comes up from down south, meets a man in Ochterarder. They get on their horses and they travel through the highlands and the islands for a bit of a tour, come back to Edinburgh, and he's sitting in a tavern in Edinburgh with his companion, and in the next booth, he hears a group of men discussing last Sunday's sermon that their minister gave in their church. Tom has dragged us through Philippians so far. <laughs> but we can find something in Tom's sermons that strike a note. And this man said, I've supped my beer in many places in London, but I've never heard theology and taking apart a sermon except in the grass market in Edinburgh. And who would that be? Yeah, I can see you saying it. Shout it! Samuel Johnson. Samuel Johnson. Two who's. And I want to remind you that if you ever go to any of the eating establishments in this town, and you happen to see Kenneth Bennett and Leonard Bennett sitting there in McMoo's or Brian's or Corvey's or Belgica or Manison's or Rook and Glen, I want to tell you that we're not there to sample the food. We're, we're there for research. We want to find out as we listen to conversations in these places, if they talk about the Bible. So if you ever go to KFC in Falkirk, please remember that Kenneth and I are there for research purposes only. Research purposes only. I'm going to ask Margaret MacDonald to stand and read bits of a hymn that start the verses with who. In the Songs of Fellowship, there's some 13 hymns and songs that start with who. So, Margaret. Okay. Who is he in yonder stall, at whose feet the shepherds fall? Who is he to whom they bring all the sick and sorrowing? Who is he that stands and weeps at the grave where Lazarus sleeps? Who is he on yonder tree dies in pain and agony? Who is he who from the grave comes to rescue, help and save? Who is he who from his throne sends a spirit to his own? Who is he who comes again, judge of angels and of men? Thank you, Margaret. The hymn writer was fascinated with Jesus. And he asked these questions at the beginning of every verse. Who is he? Do you know how these verses end? Yes, yes, well, come on. Tis the Lord, the King of glory. Tis the Lord, O wondrous story, at his feet. Are you dumb? <laughs> at his feet we humbly fall. Crown him, crown him, Lord of all. That's the who in the hymn. It's Jesus that's there in the hymn. Question. Thinking on who, 
stick it up. Uh, oh, it's up. Yeah, it's, it's up. Yeah. It's up. It's who? Thinking of the books in the New Testament, can you think of a book where there are four questions asked which have who in them? Which book of the New Testament? Ian, shut up. Ian, shut I know you're ready, Ian, but just be quiet just now. Any guesses what the book in the New Testament with four who's in it? Romans. Any idea what chapter in Romans the four who's come? Eight. Chapter eight. <laughs> chapter... I'm sorry, I confined it only to a laptop, eh, to, to mobile phones. I'm going to ask Ian to come and read verses from Romans chapter 8, beginning at those verses, and we know that all things work together for good. I nearly gave the game away there, Lane. So from verse 28 of Romans chapter 8, it says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those who God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And he said, brethren there. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Thank you, Ian. Thank you, Ian. Thank you. Those verses that Ian read can be broken into three sections. The first section begins with, and we know that God works everything together for our good. In spite of the things that happen in your life, at the end of it all, it's all for good. The middle section would be those 
for whose that Ian read out, who shall lay a charge against God's elect? And the last section would be the, be the beginnings, for I am persuaded that neither death nor all of these things can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. And as I was thinking about these three little sections, a thought came to me, a thought came to me that it could be like a sandwich, like a sandwich. A top slice would be the part where it begins and we know that all things work together for good. The bottom slice, for I'm persuaded that nothing can keep me from God. And right there in the middle are the four who's, that lovely bit of corned beef. But as I thought more about this, I thought a sandwich just does not do justice to these three sections. Two bits of bread and corned beef in the middle. So my mind went to the places that Kenneth and I have already been <laughs> to do our research. And after a little while, there was only one thing that I could simply come up with that did justice to these three sections. And... A Big Mac. A Big Mac. There's that top bun with the lettuce, tomato, and gherkins. The bottom bun bit with more lettuce, tomato, and gherkins. But in the middle. <laughs> Kenneth and I have never had too many of those. <laughs> If we had to say to the Apostle Paul, Paul, all things work together for good. If you had written that verse and stopped there, I would be tempted to say, are you correct? Do all things work together for good? I know we went on from there and explained. But Paul, you were only a few days knowing Jesus Christ when in Damascus you were almost stoned and you had to get lowered out the, the place in the basket. And in your travels you were stoned a few times and whipped a few times and you talk about being in danger of robbers and, and want of food and what have you. And the Jews scored your back three times with 39 stripes and eventually you ended up going to Rome and got shipwrecked and you ended up in Rome. We're not quite sure if he entered into that prison known as the Mamertine prison in the depths of Rome. And it's said of that prison, the Mamertine prison, there's a fate worse than death, the Mamertine prison. But we know he ended up in his own little place with a soldier standing by making sure. And he had visitors and they came and saw to him, and although he wanted to go on to Spain, we're not quite sure if he made it, but eventually a sentence on him was passed and he was led three miles out of the city of Rome to a place where they did executions and he saw the soldiers standing there with that big, heavy, sharp sword. And as he knelt down on his hands and knees, if we could do the pause button 
just right there with a soldier like this with a big sword. If we could do that, the pause button and kneel down beside Paul and say, Paul, all things work together for good. Do you really believe that? And I would hear from him, yes. Bang! His head's chopped off. We had a great time up at the Men of Faith a couple of Saturdays ago where Eddie told us about him and Rosie's walk with God. They got this queer message that God wanted them to go to Mission Aviation Fellowship, math. So Eddie sends off a letter, do you need plumbers in MAF in Africa? And the reply was, no, we didn't need plumbers in Africa. We need pilots in Africa. So, hmm. But they sold everything up, moved down to Perth, and Eddie took on these training sessions. I remember Eddie telling me that only a few weeks into the, the, the whole thing, he was sitting looking at the mathematics question in front of him. And the lecturer came up beside Eddie and simply said, Eddie, you'll never make it. You'll never make it. Mathematics was too much. But you know what God said? God said, Eddie, I invented mathematics. I use mathematics, which is the only sure thing, to make planet Earth, to make the solar system, to make the universe, to make all these galaxies. They're all held together by mathematics. Eddie, didn't you worry about you'll never make it? I invented mathematics. And it all happened. And I often think of Eddie out there in Africa on his first mission. And he's flown a few of these missions, and the pilot and Eddie's sitting beside him. And after two or three of the missions, the, the man says, Eddie, right, you've seen how to do it. You do it now. Eh? eh? Come on, Eddie. So Eddie does all the prelims and the talk and what have you and the checks. And he goes out into that grassy airfield, and he pushes the throttle in. And he comes to the place in the speed where the laws of aerodynamics take over from the laws of gravity and the aeroplane goes up in the air. And a wee man gets on Eddie's shoulder and says, Eddie, you'll never make it. And God comes on this shoulder and says, Eddie, we made it together. We made it together. Another one, another person who's sitting here, Margaret MacDonald, you know, as Margaret Stirling for many years, she was a member of the Salvation Army in Bowness, and eventually some of the Salvation Army in Bowness came up to the Apostolic Church over the road there. We got to know Margaret very well. And she decided she'd want to go into teaching. So off she went up to Falkirk Way and did her teaching certificates. But at 21 or 22 years of age, she becomes an orphan. Both her mum and her dad's dead. And here she is, starting out in life in a career. And I think only because we were the nearest with respect to houses that she started coming about our house. 
And she started to call my wife her wee mam. But I can remember the time she'd come in from school and the two words she said quite a few times was, feed me, <laughs> feed me. But she also decided that she wanted to go a bit further. And so she signed up at Stirling University to do an external degree, and sure enough, she got a degree. And she bobbed between two or three primary schools and thought, I'd like to have a department of her own, and maybe, maybe even a head teacher. So she's in Fillin. Fillin. Bonus is rich compared with filling. <laughs> but she says to herself, I'll look out for adverts. And she starts applying for head teacher's jobs. And more than once, we heard the footsteps coming into the house. And saw a wee bit of tear in her eye when she said, I didn't get the job, I didn't get the job. But there was one day, she came skipping into the house. And she said, I got the job, I got the job. See, God had said, there's a place called Wallace Stone up there in the breeze, and it needs a head teacher. And I've got the very person for that place. And in God's purposes for Margaret's life, she got the job. But there was a day when, down in a place called Bradford, the Apostolic Church General Annual Council was meeting. And the position of the national women's leader came up. Now it had been that some of the national women's leaders had been men, pastors, and then some pastors' wives had been given the post. And then Pastor Brian Lewis who was the pastor in Edinburgh, but who came regularly to Bowness, got up and broke the ice by saying, Brothers, I think I know who would take that job. Who, Brian? There's a young woman in Bowness. Where? Aye, there's a young woman in Bowness, and her name is Margaret Stirling. Who? Never heard of her. Brian Lewis said, I think she'll fit the bill. And she got it. She got it. Another step along the way. God was in the business. And she traveled for six years all through the UK, either cheering seminars or, or, or speaking at seminars. And she traveled in the wee Renault Clio, thousands of miles up and down the UK. And a couple of times when she was coming from London or South Wales, Keith and I would jump into our car down the 74 into the Lake District, come to a motorway place on the northbound. I'd get out and Keith would drive back to Bowness and I would wait for Margaret and the wee Cleo to come up. And she'd come into TB services. It would take 10 minutes to settle down, a bit of petrol back on the road. And she'd be talking about what happened. And after about 30 miles, 
I can remember once she's in the back seat, seat with these seat belts strangling her, trying to get asleep, because she knew she had to be at Wollaston the next morning. Did all things work together for good, Margaret? Yes. All things work together for good. And then there's this terrible couple that we've got here in Bowness. Tom and Jess. <laughs> they never knew where Bowness was. But God stepped into their lives and somehow I hope they can say that all things work together for good. Yeah? Still deciding. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But you see, all things work together for good because Paul went on to add some more words in that verse. He said, all things work together for good to those who love the Lord. That's your bit, loving the Lord. That's my bit, loving the Lord. If you want to go on with God, you've got to say, I love the Lord. And when you do that, things work out together. That's your part. God's part is, we're called according to his purpose. God's got a purpose in your life. And that's God's part. Leave it to him and he'll work it out. So here's the look at the who's. What shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Well, there's a lot of folks and things that can be against us. You call yourself a Christian. I heard what you said back there. I saw what you did as a Christian. Aye, who can be against us? Often, who can be against us? But the Apostle Paul uses the court scene like this, that God's the judge. And we're in the dock. And God looks down at the charge sheet against us and he looks up and he sees us and he looks down again and he looks up but it's changed and there's somebody standing beside us and it's Jesus who's standing beside us. And you know what? When God looks back down, it's like invisible ink. It's fading. It's a blank page. It's been wiped clean. And God lifts it up and tears it up and said, you're justified in Jesus. God is this way, that in Jesus, he changes us from sinners to being just people. Just in the sense of judicial. We're made just. Who can be against us? It's God's for us. God's for us. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Oh, they'll bring the charges. But remember this, it's God who justifies. It's God who's in the business of looking after your life, making sure that you're all okay. Who is it that's going to condemn us? Christ Jesus has died for us, was raised for us, is in heaven interceding for us. Nobody can condemn us because Christ Jesus is for us. He's not against us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, want, nakedness, danger, sword. There are not many of these things happen nowadays. But you know what? The society we live in will try to separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. 
Remember, you're in Christ Jesus. Verses 28 to 30, Ian read, there are nine fours, four, four, four. In 36 to 39 that Ian read us, there are ten no's, nothing can separate us. And in the middle, in the middle of the Big Mac are the four who's, who can separate us, who can bring a charge. I'm sorry to mess your head, but have you ever come to Romans chapter 8? That's all you're going to see. Come on, wake up. <laughs> that's, that's all you're going to see. Every time you come to Romans chapter 8 again, that's all you're going to see. It's stuck in your memory. But I'm going to ask you a question. Will you make these added up 23 statements in Romans chapter 8? Will you make them your own? Will they make them your very personal statements there? 23 things that you want to be involved in. Now, I don't know anybody, everybody here. And a lot of you will say, yes, I already make them my own. But maybe there's somebody here who's saying, I'm not sure. I hear you talking about Jesus, and I'm not sure if I know him. I know I've got things against my slate, and I want Jesus to wipe them out, but I've not come to that place, as Bunyan did, of finding faith in Jesus. And so before we finish, to make sure that you get the opportunity to meet Jesus, I want to ask you a couple of questions. Number one, have you come to the place in your life where you know for certain that if you had to die tonight, you would go to heaven? That's a big question. If you don't know Jesus, Jesus can help you answer that question. Have you come to your place in your life where you know for certain that if you had to die tonight, you would go to heaven? Jesus can help you answer that question. Second question is this, don't want it to happen. But suppose you were to die tonight and you were standing before God and God says to you, tell me why I should let you into heaven. What would your answer be? If you don't know what your answer would be, I'll give you an encouragement to come here after the service is finished and talk to one of the leaders here, and you'll find that they'll give you the answer, it's in Jesus Christ. Who will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus? Nobody. Remember your big marks.